Good morning, everyone. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, it's great to have you guys here in church today. Uh, what a wonderful day it is to worship God and, and be in his house. I, I don't know about you, but um, Sundays are my favorite day out of the whole week. Uh, not because I don't have to go to work, uh, but because I'm able to come into church and worship God and be around talented people that can lead worship. And, but also, you guys are my friends. Um, I, tr I truly love to come to church and, and greet you and, and see you and see how you're doing. And, and you truly uh, brighten my day. And that's one thing I, lo what I love about church because we're able to come in and we're able to share with each other. We're able to, to cry with each other, laugh together. We're able to do everything together as a family. And I, and I love that. So I thank you for coming to church. I know it's it's been very easy today to, to to sleep in. I didn't know it was zero degrees last night. I may have slept in a little longer. Uh, not really. I've been up since three. Um, so it's just one of those things. On the older I get, the less sleep I need. I think. Um, but we will be taking naps this afternoon at my house. Uh, for sure, so don't call me. Uh, my phone will be off. But it's interesting today, as Steve talked about, we are beginning a service, uh, a sermon series on being blessed. And my sermon title today is "Blessed with a Battle." And um, one thing I've, I've talked to a couple people here this last couple of weeks, and one thing is, um, it's very interesting. I want to ask you guys a question. I want a response, very short response, okay? So I don't, I don't need a whole your whole life story, but give me some things how you are blessed. Give me, give me some reasons why you're blessed. 40 years of marriage. That's amazing. Alan, I don't know how she does it. I mean, she, it's uh, not really. Uh, it's Patty is a saint, that's for sure. Back here. Okay, children. And what was in the back? Great grandchildren. Yes, I babysit quite a few times this week my, for my grandbaby. Um, do what? You woke up. That, that's a, that is very true. You're, you're alive. You're able to come to church. That's another thing. Bruce, the Bible. The Bible. We are blessed because we have the Word of God. Any others? Great Scott. All right. So now let's go with Tammy first, and we'll kind of work our way to the left. We do live in a loving community. Absolutely. Very, very true. Was someone back here? No. Very good. Very, very good. <laughs> All right, moving over here. Ministry. Absolutely. We're involved in the ministry of the Word of the Lord. Over here. Salvation. You're in a relationship with God. That is awesome. So, so I just wanted to kind of, blessings are a huge thing, and we're going to talk about what the definition of blessings are, and we really could spend hours upon hours uh, talking about the blessings and how God has blessed us and, and how he has worked in our lives, and everything you have said is so true. And this coming Thursday, of course, is Thanksgiving. In our family, we've already had Thanksgiving. We had, uh, we, had, uh, we had Halloween, we had Thanksgiving and Christmas all before Spencer left for the Marines. And so, but we're still having more food this Thursday. Uh, but so our year's already kind of messed up. As I was preparing this sermon and thinking, my wife and I, we've talked about several things on how we are blessed as a couple and our relationship with our children and so on and so forth. And one thing that uh, Lori reminds me quite often, I'm very interactive with my kids. And uh, we, we wrestle, we play, we, we do a lot of different things. And when they were little, I guess one of my favorite memories from my children is, we'd call it the Chinese star. When they were three or four years old, they would take off running, and I would take one of those couch pillows and just throw it at them, and it would swoop them underneath their feet, they would crash, and, and they would get up, bring me the pillow, 
And uh, we would, it's like, like a little dog doing fetch thing. But I, every, we had, of course, we had six kids. So we, we were just doing this. Choo, choo, choo. And of course, Lori in the very beginning, oh, Mike, you're, you're being too rough. And uh, you, you can't be so rough with the kids. And hey, there's no blood on the carpet. We're good. You know? And, but it's one of my things. We, we, they're too big to do it now. Uh, it'd be fun to try Shani Star. But Lori has told me that it was such a blessing to be interactive with our kids. Uh, her family wasn't very, uh, they didn't show emotion a, a lot. Um, when I went to their family gatherings, I did, all, I did a lot of talking with my mother-in-law. We were very, very similar. Everyone else just kind of just, just sat there and stood at each other. And it's like, uh, it's kind of a little uncomfortable. But uh, one thing is, as we've noticed, we can be thankful and we can be blessed with so many different things. Our health, our, our country that we live in, our, our society, everything. We can, be, we can find blessings in, in a lot of different attributes. There's also, we can find blessings in the battles that we have in our lives as well. Now, a lot of us, we don't want battles. I mean, we don't want to, to struggle. We don't want difficulties. We want that simple, easy life that uh, many of us thought the Christian life would be all about. But a lot of times, we will have blessings in the battles that we are going to face. So I want to give you just a few definitions. And let me tell you, I know we as Christians, we have our own lingo, don't we? We talk about being covered with the blood. We talk about salvation. We talk about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we have our own lingo. So I want to give you the definition of what bless is all about. So bless is to praise, to praise, to celebrate with praises, which is addressed to God Almighty, acknowledging His goodness and the desires of His glory. It also can invoke blessings upon a person to concentrate, uh, consecrate a thing with solemn prayers, to ask God for a blessing on a thing, or to cause, to prosper, to make happy, and to bestow, bestow blessings on him. And so as we look at this, we're going to, our first scripture, uh, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, I'm old school, turn your Bibles to James. Uh, but if you want to go to your phone, make sure you're just using the Bible for your phone, not any other things. No texting, no Facebooking during my sermon. Uh, <laughs> I'm sort of joking. Uh, no, I, I am joking. I probably should direct my eyes to my kids more than anyone. Um, but, but it's interesting. I, I, the phones are good, so if you have your phones, go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 James chapter 1. It's, it's, it's interesting that Laura's story has a song, um, and the song is about blessings through raindrops. And I want to read just a, if, if I was Michael Maynard, I'd sing it to you. Uh, he, he is gifted, but you don't want that to take place right now. Um, I'm definitely not gifted in, in music. It says very often, the words go this, very often we think of having a blessed week. Well, this is the definite. Uh, we, we pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for our family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is a way too much to give as lesser things. Because if you... Because if what your blessings come through raindrops, what if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of life are your mercies in disguise? And I watched that video this morning. It was a beautiful video about sometimes the difficulties of life or, or, or the blessings or the raindrops that, drops our, or that come down on our lives. The trials of life are God's mercies in disguise. What if it's his blessings that you pass through the trials and the conflicts that you are experiencing right now? As Steve said earlier, I was wondering if he had a hold of my notes because he talked about sometimes we are excited to come to church. 
Sometimes we're just enthralled, we're ready to go to church, and sometimes we just kind of drag ourselves to come to church. And I don't know where you are right now in life. I don't know what, what experiences you're facing, the trials and the temptations and the, and the struggles that you have. But I want you to know that each one of us has a battle. And we're able to find a blessing in those battles as we know that we are not alone because we have God with us. And we have a great community of believers here with us as well. So when the trials of life are God's mercy in disguise, what if this blessing is in past trials or conflicts you're going through now? When you go through the scriptures, you read about God's promises, blessing to his people. However, such blessings would require people to do something. For Abraham, he, had to be, he was going to be blessed by his descendants. He needed to obey God and leave the place for God told him about. His blessing requires to trust and obey. God promised to give the land of Canaan to his people, but they needed to take possession of the land. It's interesting as we look at the blessings, what truly blessings are, and how we fight the battles in our lives. James chapter 1 verse 2, if, if you, um, a lot of preachers say, oh, this is my favorite scripture. I, I get a lot of favorite scriptures, but I will tell you, James is the book, is my, whole, my, is my favorite book of the Bible. It, I'm a doer. I, I, give me a list and I will do it. Give me my task and I'll accomplish it. Whatever, but of course, with salvation, we don't have to worry about doing those things. But what James says this, James chapter one, verse two, says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any kind, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, and, and so what, what's this saying? This is saying, the scripture saying it, and I don't, sometimes I don't like scripture, don't you? I mean, there's times I just think, I don't like that scripture. I really, my, my flesh does not like it. My mind doesn't like it. But this is saying right here, when you are going through difficulties, when you're going through struggles, you're supposed to consider it pure joy. Well, how many of us really think, oh, praise the Lord today, I don't have a job. Woo! You know, how many of us are really excited that we have problems in our lives? We, we really don't get too excited about it, do we? If you do, you're kind of weird. All right, that's just how it is. But, but the thing is, the scripture tells us that when you go through difficulties, when you go through trials, when you go through hardships, we should consider it pure joy because God is going to bring us through to the other side. And that's a beautiful blessing, the promises that God has given us. And I love to remind God about the promises through his scripture. When you are going through difficulties, when you're going through hardships, remind God that, that he will never leave you. Remind him that he will never forsake you. Remind him that he will always be there no matter what is taking place in your life and no matter where you are in life as well. We experience many different testings in life. It's interesting, I was reading about the space shuttle and the space shuttle, the little cones on the nose, they are endured to all types of different trials and tests. They're heated, they're cooled, they're heated, they're cool. And the reason why they do that, because they want to prepare for the space shuttle to come in for a landing. They want to be able to, 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 be able to protect the, 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 every person in that space shuttle. And do you realize that God allows us to have difficulties in our lives to prepare you, to draw you closer to him? That is why we have difficulties, my friends. Do we like it? Absolutely not. How many of you children, how many of you young people like the scriptures? God disciplines those who he loves. I remember quoting that scripture all the time to my kids. I was like spanking them. I love you. I love you. No, really, I didn't do, I, I didn't do that. I really didn't. I thought about it a couple of times, uh, but I really didn't do that. I was, I was trying to be a good dad. You know, but I thought to myself, man, that'd be really good. I'm not going to say I told you so, but guess what? I told you so. Anyway, as we, as we look at this, 
The question was and still stands under the extreme heat of your conflict that is going on in your life today or in the past, how can you battle through it and bring God glory for what you are going through? I think, I think sometimes we miss the point of what Christianity is all about, especially in our society today. I think today our society says Christianity is just it's to be able to make you happy. I think that's what our society, I think that's what the church has kind of bought into is just be happy. Nowhere in Scripture does it talk about your happiness. It talks about your holiness to God Almighty. Okay, now, the holiness definition is being set apart by God. And I want you to understand as a Christian, you are set apart from the rest of the world. You are set to be a holy person before God Almighty. And before I even, I'm already off my, t- my notes, so it doesn't matter. Uh, That's just how it goes. I don't even know why, well, I know why I write notes. Um, <laughs> um, preach it. Do you, I want you to understand that when God looks at you, he doesn't see all your stuff in your life. He doesn't see all the, the crap. He doesn't see all the sins and the, 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 the issues you have. He sees his son Jesus clothing you. And he sees you as his son and or his daughter. And nothing else. And God doesn't say, well, do you remember when you did that? Do you remember when you committed that sin? Man, the scriptures are pretty clear that when we ask God for forgiveness, he remembers the sin no longer, no more. It's separated from the east from the west. And the beautiful thing is, uh, there are times I think we as Christians, we struggle with that. Because we know what we are like. We know our sinful nature. But I'll tell you, man, holding my grandbaby this week and holding her and seeing her and just loving on her and, and, and working on the computer with one hand. You know, I talked to her. We sang lots of songs. And, but I thought to myself, this is how God sees me in a pure, innocent way. Is she going to have issues? Absolutely. I changed her diaper and 30 seconds later, she poops again. <laughs> Did I get mad? Absolutely not. I don't have to buy the diapers. So I'm good. It's pretty cool. Being a grandpa is pretty cool sometimes. I don't have to stay up late with her either. Mom, dad, take her home. All right, let's focus on our notes. So going back to James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, the very third part. Because you know that the test of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to tell you, my friends, that you as your Christian faith want to make sure we're not lacking anything in our faith. We are called to be holy. We are not called to be happy. We have been bought with a price in order to live a life worthy and pleasing to God. Does that mean we're going to do every single thing correct? Absolutely not. Does that mean every decision we make is going to be the right decision? Absolutely not. But the beautiful thing is that we are able to continue going through the trials and and have perseverance and continue to increase our faith. So here's a beautiful part. God allows us to go through testing. The purpose is also twofold. It never is to destroy us, but to prove to us the truth about ourselves. I may be bragging about certain things and even so that it may be, but when we put this to test, I found that I'm not as strong or great as I thought I once was. 
Let me ask you a question. I just ask your, about your spouse. Normally about guys. I understand guys a little more often. How many of you guys really have a high self-esteem? How many of you guys have a high ego about what you do in life? There's a lot of us that we do. We, man, we're good. You know, you talk to a hunter. They, that man, hunters are awesome. They shoot 600 yards. And boy, that animal drops like, just like nothing. So I was out hunting a couple of years back. First time I was in, in Wyoming. I was hunting. We were shooting antelope. I just went for you, you kind of do the ministry thing. I didn't have a tag. And I was, this guy was telling me, man, I, I, my last antelope I shot was 600 yards. I thought, Whoa, that's impressive. In Kansas, we shoot 75. <laughs> we got a pond. We got wheat. We shoot. That's it. You know, we can drive our truck to the deer and we're done. It's a whole lot different from here. And so we went out shooting, we went out hunting, and we're out there, and we go to near Laramie, or not Laramie, uh, Lander, and there's this uh, big old wheat field out there, or hay field, whatever it was. The guy says, let's watch this. Okay, I'm watching. Boom, shoots it. Completely misses. Oh, my scope must have been bumped. <laughs> okay, whatever, buddy. Tell me another story. So he shoots again. There were time only 75 yards. This is a Kansas shot. Misses again. Shoots again. Hits it in the bottom. Shoots again. Hurts his leg. Finally, we scoot up a little bit closer. About 35 yards, we finally killed the thing. True story. True, true story. This guy thought he was an awesome hunter. Five shots to kill one animal. Not really high in my book. So my, my, my point is to this story, not just to make you laugh, but also there are times in our lives where we think we are strong and we really are not. We think we have things under control and we really don't. Guys, I understand our egos are normally pretty high up here until someone says something and then we, we deflate. That, that's the truth. And so with this, I want you to understand the scriptures that a testing of our, of our faith is not just to, to, to put us under pressure, but it's to see where we are with Christ. Are you relying upon your own strength and your own abilities, or are you relying upon the strength and the power of God Almighty and allowing him to get you through those difficulties? Testing can play an important part in our development of our Christian life. God allowed his own son to be tested. Okay, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you do, if not, it's up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 28, 6 through 10. So I, th- what battle are you going through right now? What testing of your faith are you going through right now? Man, I, I think if we could spend all day someone just giving one or two things in their life, and we could talk about it all day long, what's happening in their life, how they're going through trials, how they're going through tribulations, what they are struggling with. And my, my point is that by the end of the sermon, I want to see how we can use that battle that we are going through to glorify God and to let other people know that they are not alone. That's really what I think we need to do. I think we need, as a community of believers, need to let people know that you're not alone. That people struggle. That people are going through the battle. Most of the things, the same battles that we're going through, they don't know how you feel, completely understand. They don't know everything's not exact. But having that idea that you are not alone as a believer. So this is what Deuteronomy chapter 28, 6 through 10 says. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies and when they attack you, they will attack you from one direction. But with you scatter but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commandments of your Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as a holy people and he swore he would do. 
all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and that you will stand in awe of you. I want you to understand that's an Old Testament scripture, but I believe we can truly proclaim that scripture upon our lives today. That God is with you and he's going to bring you through those, those, the battles that you face each and every day. Here's the beautiful thing is, do you realize that your battle has already been won? Your battle has already been defeated? We just have to get to that point because God already knows the victorious point that we are at. So it's a beautiful thing, the imagery to walk and see that God is walking before us and proclaiming the victory ahead of us. God has blessed you with a battle. There's a fight on this earth, and that is your fight. The race that is each, the race for each one of us that we're running our battle. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. One thing is, I, uh, with, with, um, with, with young people, we have a lot of cross-country people and track people and so on and so forth, and the scripture here talks about the runner. How many of you guys are runners? Two people that are brave enough to run there. How many of you guys have a treadmill in your home that don't, you don't use? Okay, a lot more hands. A lot more hands to go up on that one. You know, the, we, we, how many of you like the idea about exercise? I like the idea. Oh, that's great. I want to look like that guy. You know, I want to have my abs. I want to be buff, blah, blah, blah. But it's just way too much work. It's just, it is, isn't it? I'd rather just kind of sit and talk. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Do you not know that there's a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes on in strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but when they do get it, a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not run like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the race or for the prize. The battle that we are raging right now makes us more like Christ each and every day. And I will tell you, my friends, the training that we have to go through as Christians is to read the scriptures, to study the scriptures, to understand the scriptures, and honestly to pray to God Almighty. There are most of us who are getting ready for a race and we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything for the battle. We're looking on Facebook for, for, for opinions. We're looking at uh, uh, Instagram for, for counseling. We're looking at uh, motivational speakers for all those different types of things. And I'll tell you, my friends, that if you are running the race, you need to study the scriptures. You need to be on your knees and praying for the circumstances that you are under. Is that working for your salvation? Absolutely not. It's just a relationship with God Almighty. It's to know who he is. How many of you really know your spouse? Man, Alan had better know his spouse really well <laughs> after 40 years. And Patty better know him. I bet they can complete each other's sentences. I, I bet they, they know each other's thoughts before they even say anything. Okay, guys, just, just, a, just a heads up. When your wife has her, her arms crossed <laughs> and you ask her how she is and she says she's fine, she's lying. You know, she, yeah, it's bad. Okay, just that this premarital counseling or postmarital counseling, wherever you are in life, if your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, crossing their hands, and you say, hey, how you doing? Fine. Pray. <laughs> you need to pray because the, the, the word fine is not fine. All right, so, but the beautiful thing is that when you know your spouse, when you know that person, you know what you need to do to make them happy or to make them be able to be complete. 
But here's the beautiful thing is when we are racing, when we are getting on this, this, this battle for God, we've got to know our enemy. We've got to know what we need to do, and that is reading the scriptures and praying for our children and praying for our spouse and praying for the church and praying for the community. Here, I, I want to read something to you. I just got this morning on, one of the me- on a messenger. This is from a pastor over in, um, uh, I, I think it's Afghanistan. Or, or where's the pastor of Sifat? Pakistan. He texted me this morning. I, I think it was about 3.30 when he, he texted me. He said, when I, he, said I, he, he was in an accident. And I said, what was going on? He said, when I came out of the house, there was an accident on the way in which a woman severely wounded. And I stood there, took a picture of her with my phone and cut a few other people. Another person saw what I was doing. So they searched me and they found that I was a Christian. So they started to beat me. They hit me a couple of times. The police said, you look suspicious, and went through all my stuff. And, and, and we have been praying for him. And he said, uh, the, the police officer says, you look suspicious. He checked their phone. When they saw my ID card, they hit me more. The police took my mobile. I also checked it, but did not get any of them. So they took back to my mobile. I don't understand all that way. My bike was standing there from where they picked it up, and my bike did not get me again. I know the English is a little broke, but I understand that talking to him this morning was that it kind of put my problems in perspective. I haven't been beat because I came to church. I didn't see an accident and someone didn't go through my mobile phone and saw that I was a Christian, so they didn't hit me again and again. When I look at this, I, I see Christians around the world who are serious about the race that is before them. And I think some of us, and I'm not talking directly to you, but some of us have taken this battle, this, this race, very lightly. That God is our co-pilot, not our pilot. That God is my buddy that I can give him fives to. That other things have our priority rather than my relationship with God. And I, and I look at his life, and I look at Christians' lives around, and I look in the book of Acts, and do you know that the, the two ways the church grew was by the, the, the believers going out and preaching the gospel. But most of the way the church grew was by persecution. The church grew the quickest and the fastest when the church was being persecuted. And if you look at the countries today where the church is being persecuted, where they are running their race for their lives. The church is growing in beautiful, beautiful numbers. And here in America, our church is dying. I want to challenge you to, to truly look at the battle that you have in your life. See the issues that you have and take those issues to God. And, and I'm going to repeat this because I'm going to write my notes. But use that battle to glorify God, not yourself. We live in a self-idolization today where it's all about me. And I want to tell you, my friends, it's not about us. It is about Christ Almighty and what he did. We were bought with a price, the price of Jesus Christ's life. So what is your, what is your battle? Let me ask you a question. What breaks your heart? What truly, truly breaks your heart? And really, when you look at what breaks your heart, that's most likely a battle that God has put upon your life. That you are going to fight for the injustice. 
Nehemiah chapter 1, 3 and 4 says this. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judea. They are in great troubles and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, I mourned and fasted and prayed for the God of heaven. You have to understand, Jerusalem had no walls, had no defenses at all. The walls were its protection. The walls were able to keep the enemies away and the people safe. And when Nehemiah heard that there was no walls, he was in Persia serving the king because he was taken captive. He was a cupbearer. And he heard that his fellow kinsmen had no protection at all. What did he do? He prayed over the conditions of his people. He ministered to God before God Almighty and prayed earnestly for their relationship and for the walls to be built. We're in an intense spiritual battle and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to do God and tearing down strongholds. Prayer is a deciding factor in the spiritual battle. That's why Satan fights us so hard. It's interesting, when we look at this, what breaks our heart, Nehemiah's heart was broke because the walls were, were, were torn down. What breaks your heart? What, what truly, truly breaks your heart today? And I will tell you, if you, have, if you see things that break your heart, most of the time God is going to give you something to do about that heart that's being broken. A ministry for unborn babies, a ministry for, for, for boys and girls who are in the sex traffic area now, a ministry for prostitution, a ministry for the, for the people that don't have food. As Tammy announced during the, uh, um, during the announcements time, um, soup kitchen's coming up. Several years ago, I was able to do soup in the kitchen quite a bit, and this, this guy was telling me a story. He asked me for a cigarette lighter. I said, but I don't have a cigarette lighter. He said, well, I really need one. I said, why do you need a cigarette lighter? He says, that's how I stay warm at night. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, nighttime in my sleeping bag, this is not a safe thing. At nighttime, to be able to keep warm, I'd get under my sleeping bag, I'd turn the the cigarette lighter on, and it would keep my sleeping bag warm for a period of time. Whoa, you're going to catch on fire. Something's going to happen. So there are a lot of situations today that we can see. What breaks my heart is seeing people that don't have food that don't have a place to live. The addictions that we have in our society, the addictions we have here in Rock Springs, what breaks your heart? So my question is, after that, is what are you doing about it? As Christians, we are called to be holy people. We are called to be different from the rest of society. And James, if you read the book of James, and further on a couple of chapters, it says, don't, don't just say, I hope you do well, go and, and, and keep, keep well, warm fed, but do something about it. And let me tell you, my friends, this is not a guilt trip. This is not a guilt trip at all. I don't want to make you feel guilty. That's not my job. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict you. That's his job. But I think it's very easy in our lives today to get very comfortable where we are at and just take things easy and light and not do anything else because we have our families and we have our situations. So what is your battle? What is your battle that you have? Nehemiah went ahead and went fasting. Fasting is denying the flesh to feed the spirit. It's denying the flesh to feed the spirit. We usually go on doing the opposite. We feed the flesh and deny the spirit. We eat our regular three or four meals and we go back and we eat snacks but we pray very, very little. We often go days without feeding the spirit, our spirit, without reading the scriptures, without praying, without seeking God and with the battle that we are at. It's interesting in the Philippines, we have a missionary that we are very uh, connected with over in the Philippines. This guy is 83 years old. 
And he just adopted a baby. Four, he's, the baby's four years old now. He adopted the baby when he was, when the, when he was 81, I th- or the baby was like one. So the, the guy was 79 years old when he adopted a baby. How many of you guys would want to do that? Oh my gosh. No. I'll tell you the truth, I, I wouldn't either. I, but but I, what I learned from Errol, Errol Petrie is his name, is that Errol says there's a lot of times the islanders, the people not Manila, but in the, the small islands around, if they don't have, a, if they don't have uh, provision to take care of their babies, they take their babies and they put them in a ditch and they just keep on walking. And, and that's how eventually the babies will die by starvation or animals will come and tear the baby up. For years, Errol's have, Errol has tried to talk to us in to go in and become missionaries and just become opening an orphanage over in the Philippines. And I have a heart for kids, truly have a heart for kids. I would love to adopt more kids. My wife says no right now, but I'm praying. I really am, because you know how many people, how many kids need a home. So many kids need a home. Plus, it's biblical. James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our fathers accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and the widows and their time of distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You want a great devotional book? Read the book of James. Man, there's a lot of insight in there. What, did break, what broke Jesus' heart? Jesus, when he was coming in for the grand finale of the triumphal entry, when he looked over the city of Jerusalem, he wept. He cried. If you study the times Jesus cried in the scriptures, there's some pretty significant times. And the time that Jesus cried was he, wa- he was going into Jerusalem and he wept over them because they failed to recognize who he was. They were blindly following the, blind, the leaders who were blind themselves. Rather than searching out the scriptures and being, they were swayed by the men of the day. Men today are highly opinionated against the scriptures who have never read it or made a serious study of it. We are prejudiced against the scriptures because we do not want to change our lives. Read the scriptures, my friends. God will convict you. You have to change. Scripture says we are not in the we are not people of the dark, but we are people of the light. What effects will this have on my our business if people know I'm a Christian? Hopefully, if people know we're a Christian, people will know that we are different from the rest of the world. My friends, the battle is what breaks your heart and what are we going to do about it? Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem to see that they missed the point. They missed the visitation of Christ Almighty, God Almighty coming in and being in the very presence. How many times have we missed Jesus? Because we've been blind or we've been too busy. We've got things, other, thing else, other things going on in our lives and we missed that opportunity. All right, we got to go. When I was practicing this morning, I was telling Mac earlier, it was like 45 minutes just on my first point. So, um, so we, so we got to go. I'm telling myself it's not you necessarily. What makes you angry? There's a lot of injustice in our world today. If you look at our world, there's a lot of things that do not, um, is not right with God. Exodus chapter 2, 11 and 12 says this, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews, and after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body. 
Moses did not like the injustice of what was going on for his people. Now, this is not to advocate going out and killing people, okay? So don't get that. But this is saying is that if there are things that are making you angry, things that are injustice in life today, we should do something about it. As Michael preached about last week, if we as Christians are just silent, if people think we are giving our approval because we are silent, we're not, giving, or we're not speaking out against certain things. Well, let me tell you, my friends, when we speak out, we have to speak out with love. If we do not do our acts in love, then we are not doing them according to the Christian scriptures, according to what God would have us to do. And so when we speak, we must speak with love. When we act, we must act with love. Whatever we do, we must do with love. And is that easy? Absolutely not. How many of you always want to be loving? Mm. No. no I, truthfully, you get cut off at the stop sign, how many of you say, oh, bless his heart. That person just must be having a rough day. And bless your heart in Kansas means you're just an idiot. You know, that's what I said. We probably do say bless your heart a lot. But it's interesting. What makes you angry? Is it the sex trafficking? Is it the Satan devices that have caused people to go away from Christ? Is it the abortion? What makes you angry about our society? So my question is with that, are you praying for those things that make you angry? The injustice of the world today. Are you praying for those things? Because if not, then, then what are you doing? Moses did something about it. And we could read more and more into the scriptures on what made Jesus angry. And the things that made Jesus angry should make us angry as well. And if not, that means we are not connected with Christ. If we get more angry because the internet's not working or because Facebook is not updating or because someone didn't like our, like, our likes, then that is an issue. It really is. And those are some big issues, aren't they? No, they're not. Because our internet's not working, that's not a big issue. But with the injustice of the things going on in the world today, what, have, what has made you angry that you have overcome and be able to help people out with? I like this. Jesus, on Mark chapter 11, verse 15, says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changer and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he taught them, he said, It is not written, My house will be called a house, my house, will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. It's kind of, it's sad Back in Kansas, there was a church that needed to do a fundraiser. And during this fundraiser, they decided to have a, um, basically it was a, um, just a big party. And the church bought a lot of beer, a lot of alcohol, brought it in, and they raised a lot of money for the roof. And I was thinking to myself, man, it kind of seems <coughs> not wise to do that. To bring it into church and be able to do different things with it. How many times have we used God's house to be able to profit ourselves? It, it just it made Jesus so angry that he flipped over the tables, he made a whip and started whipping people. He drove them out of the church. He drove them out of the temple because he said, "My house will be a house of prayer." My friends, I love to come to church and I love to worship with you and I love to, to, to hear messages, but really, 
the church is a place that we come and we pray. Where we come together and we pray for one another and we pray for the things of the world so that God, um, God's resolution will take place. So many times we come to church and we don't really come for the right reason. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. But there are times I think we as who are running the race, we really need to get serious and run the race. Just, I was making an observation last night in my, in my, in my, little, my little office. How much time do I spend on Facebook compared to how much time do I spend in the Word? And, and I, I'm not trying to guilt you. It was, just, it was conviction for me last night. I'm not even on Facebook that much. But I thought, man, I do spend some time on there. And it's a great tool as long as it's used in, in a way that we're not completely absorbing all our time. But how much time have I spent with the Word of God? What do you care about that other people don't? All right, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to bring this to a, to a conclusion, okay? We've got a couple pages, but we're going to kind of bring it down. David and Goliath. How many of you guys like the story of David and Goliath? Man, I do. Little guy. Little shepherd boy versus a guy that was ten and a half feet tall. <coughs> Who were the odds for? Goliath, all the way. So as we read the scriptures, it says, Who is this pagan, the Philistine, oh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Who is this pagan, Philistine anyway, that he's allowed to defy the name and the armies of the living God? David was offended and shocked that the, Philist- that the Israelites' armies would not do anything against Goliath. They were scared. Ten and a half foot, ten, ten foot and a half, sorry, ten foot and a half guy, tall guy, muscular guy. His sword weighed an enormous amount of weight. And here, David was shocked that no one was willing to stand up against Goliath. For 40 days, Goliath kept on insulting God, doing claims against the the Israelites, saying that they were nothing, that they were worthless, that God Almighty was nothing at all. And then you had this small little shepherd boy, and this is the point I want to point out, because this is a very, very important part I think a lot of us miss, that in verse, (coughs) excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40, he took his, his stick in his hand, chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had. Even in his pouch, he, his sling was in his hand. He approached the Philistine. So here's the, here's the idea that David is grabbing these five smooth stones, picks them up. He puts them in his, in his little bag. He goes out with his little slingshot and he goes against and he says, who are you to proclaim that God is not who he says he is? And the beautiful thing is, we know the story. We've been taught the story since we were very, very little. David took his sling, put the rock in there, swing it, and boom. I love the scriptures. The scripture says that the the rock was imprinted upon Goliath's head. Meaning it it went deep into Goliath's head. All right, no big deal, right? Whatever. Then David, bless his little heart, kind of gross, takes the sword, chops his head off, and, he, and that's how you proclaim victory when you had your enemy's head. All right, what about the four other stones? What about the four other stones? If I was a guy, if I was David, guess what? I wouldn't have five stones. I'd probably have like 10, 15, <laughs> 20, 
just to be on the safe side. I had my kids bringing me a little pile just in case I missed, just to make sure that there wasn't going to be any problems, that it was going to be taken care of. But David, with only one stone, took care of Goliath. Do you realize, I love this, do you realize later on, in 1 Samuel chapter 51 and 53, David kills Goliath's four brothers. He picks up five stones, he kills one with Goliath, and he goes after four more giants. I think that's why he picked up those stones. There's commentaries that, well, he just picked them up, blah, blah, blah. There's some other things. I disagree with them, as you can tell. But I'm wondering to myself, how many of us are really ready to go after our problems? Or are we just waiting for our problems to come to us? We're waiting for the battle to come here. And what David did was he went out and he went to the battle. He was ready to go. And he took down four more giants, according to the scriptures in Samuel. That's pretty impressive when you think about it. A small boy who became king, who brought a kingdom together and was able to glorify God. Did David have his faults? Oh, yeah. Was he a, an adulteress? Was he a murderer? Was he had issues? Absolutely. He would definitely fit on the Jerry Springer show today. <laughs> if, if that show's even going on. I don't know if that show's even going on. It was back 20 years ago. But it's interesting. I want you to encourage you that wherever you are to go after your battle. Take your stones, take your sling, and go after your battle that you are facing. And the beautiful thing is, is God is going to bring you victorious over that battle. And you know what, my friends? Even if we lose some of our battles, we are still able to glorify God where we are with Him because He has brought us to victory throughout the whole battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the day. I thank you, God, so much for who you are. And Lord, I'm thankful that we are blessed. Lord, that you have blessed us greatly. And Lord, I pray God today that with the situations that we are going through, the battles that we are facing, whether it be cancer, whether it be depression, whether it be self-esteem, whether it be lack of faith, Lord, we're marital problems. Lord, I can go on and on about the battles that we face. But Lord, I know that you have bought us with a price. I know, God, that you have won every victory in our life. Lord, there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more. But Lord, I pray that you will increase our faith. Lord God, I pray that the things that, that we hate, God, the things that you hate, Lord, that we will stand up with love and be able to love people. Lord, I, I pray the battle as we race, as we, as we comp compete in this race of, of our lives, God, that we'll take it serious, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll give people strength, that you will renew their minds. Lord, that they will know that they are not alone, that you are with them. And Lord, thank you for letting us have the battles. Thank you, Lord, for having us, having us have trials and temptations, Lord, that we may encourage and strengthen our faith. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.